And welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome to the radio show today. This is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And today is September 11th, as most of you know. And um, I decided to do the show around this event. And I know you may be getting tired of it already, but, you know, we need to remember this because, uh, frankly, um, since I look at things through an astrological eye, I did that, um, and we're going to be doing that today. And uh, instead of having a celebrity of the week, we're going to have on the moment that the tower was hit by an airplane the very first time. So we're going to be looking at that, and we can, we can actually do that, and I'll explain that a little bit more when we get there. Also, we have on one of our very favorite guests. That's Mr. Michael Cepress. Hello, Michael. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you are here. You're the perfect guest to have for this occasion. I'm glad. It's very solemn, it. you know, but, you know, it's something we can celebrate, too, along with everything. So anyway, we're going to be talking about uh, 9-11, basically the whole show. And we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And um, it'll be kind of... You know, it'll be a reflective moment, but we're also going to look at at perhaps why this happened to us, you know, and sometimes astrology will provide that answer to some degree. So anyway, uh, we were going to take a break really quick. And when we get back here, we're going to have the Astro Celebrity of the Week, which is the time that the the exact time when the first tower was hit by an airplane. This is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk 1150.
that was pretty darn perfect. I'd say thank you, Michael. Thank you. That was beautiful. And that kind of opens our theme this morning of the celebrity of the week, which isn't really a celebrity. It is a time, a date, and a place. And you can actually do charts for that. By the way, there's another type of astrology called mundane, where you do a chart for an event or do a city or something or whatever you want to do. So <clears throat> I just want to explain really quick that on the morning of September 11th, 20, 2001, I was up jarred out of sleep by my radio saying the World Trade Center has just been hit. And I ran to my computer, bam, sat down, and I wanted to get the data. <laughs> just typical astrology stuff. I wanted to get the data of the first strike. And here it is. Okay, it's September, September 11th, 2001, 8.45 a.m., 8.46 a.m. in New York, New York. And I did a chart for that. And <clears throat> the things that came out of the, the study of this chart are really astounding. And this is what our Astral Celebrity of the Week is about this week. Um, and I remember staring at this chart and getting online with a bunch of other astrologers de debating this whole business because every time a major event happens, this is what we do. We jump into the front seat and say, okay, let's look at all this stuff. So uh, we looked at this and we kind of um, did an assessment on it and see what actually happened. But there's one major event that happened in this, which is significant, but I'll get to that here in a minute. So he, so the thing of it is, is that September 11th is Virgo and, you know, it has the Libra rising and all this other stuff. It has sun in the 12th house. So it means it was sort of a, a obscure or masked sort of event. It came out of nowhere. And so this indicates also you could look at two juxtapositioning, two points of view, what happened at the moment and what was creating it out here. So the creation of this through this, the terrorist network that started this whole thing. The 12th house is about religion, and it's about that kind of thing. So this could mean that we'd have people that are in, um, that kind of be obsessive about certain religious businesses, like, you know, the terrorists were. So we could see that. We also see the ninth house involved with the moon and Jupiter and Saturn. And the ninth house is also about higher, higher mind, and that's also about religion. So it kind of echoes the 12th house a little bit. And um, then also, you know, I think I'll just jump right into the main thing here. And this will take a little bit to explain. Um, when I was looking at this chart, I kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And I thought, well, you know, that's interesting. Okay, that applies, that applies. Okay. Then I looked at the planet position of Saturn in this chart. I said, well, that's interesting. Okay. And, and for some reason, I was called upon to look at the actual time that this, 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 these two buildings were opened. Okay. And that was in April 4th, 1973. That was the date that they officially opened to the public. And about 9 a.m. at New York, New York. So I was looking at that. And um, I thought, well, all right, let's look at this. And I went, oh, my gosh. Saturn's at the same sign as the Saturn in this other chart. Okay, about 28 years apart. And that, that was actually right there um, when I saw those two and, to, you know, figured out how many years were between. That was about 28 and a half years. I said, uh-oh, we've got a Saturn return thing going on here. So 
quite truthfully, okay, so you're looking at Saturn in the chart of the impact at 14 degrees of, let's see, excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong way, 14 degrees of Gemini, I'll get back to that in a minute, and then the actual opening was 15 degrees Gemini. <laughs> I said, bingo, bingo, okay, so what we had here was a Saturn return for the building, and um and you can apply that to people, of course. The Saturn return is usually a major hallmark of a lot of change in a person's life. But it also has to deal with um, your ability to be countable and making sure that you, um, after 28 years, it's it's kind of looking at where you want to go as far as your career goes for the next 28, 28 and a half years. So that's a major starting point that basically ignites the career. Well, for this... The ignition started on April 4th, 1973, and then boom, on in 2001, it stopped. So we look at the first chart as the birth, last chart is the death of the, the Twin Towers. Kind of hard to do that, but, you know. But the thing of it is, is that um, when you see what Saturn's purpose and why it does certain things in the world, it basically keeps you accountable. So what I'm thinking here is that what they said later on afterwards about how this tower fell, how it was weakened by the, by the airplanes that came in and hit the core and weakened all the metal structures around, which weakened and, and buckled, and that released, and then they fell. So um, that's basically what you're talking about, Saturn stuff. When you don't strengthen the core of something, you don't give a person a good foundation. That means the person's always going to operate a deficit at most of the person's life. You apply this to a building, you have the only the core of the building is the strongest part of the building. The rest of outside was peripheral stuff. It was just extra. So when those planes hit those towers, it was immediately weakened by that. And the, and the structure in the middle couldn't handle it and everything fell. So you're really looking at um, the issue of um, the structure, the structure which is Saturn, you know, you apply Saturn to a, a building as well as a person, a structure of a building, um, how well it holds up, can it hold up through many, 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 many years? Well, it didn't. It went 28 and a half years. And might I also add that both being in Gemini, you know, the symbol for Gemini is the Roman number two. two. Kind of looks like the picture of the trade towers when they were still sanding. So the symbology of that was way beyond me, and I went crazy when I saw that. But um, people thought that was pretty wild. But the point is, is that anything in the on the planet, whether it be a person or a building or whatever, is accountable for the universal forces. And when something isn't built strong enough, then it suffers in the end through a Saturn return. It basically clocked in with Saturn and says, okay, I'm going to up my lease for another 29 years. Is not we're going to give you a test. The test is let's see if you can handle an airplane hitting it, hitting them. So, and that didn't happen. So Saturn is something you always have to watch. So anyway, that's it for that. We're going to come back here in a moment. We're going to be talking to Michael about his, his experiences of 9-11 and my experiences as well. So, and um, and we'll be talking and sharing more of his music too. So, this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio.
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's Best Bioenergetic Synchronization Technique, Rasmussen Reset, and Energy Code Sunday. Linda Rasmussen joins me in the studio, and she can help you and your animal friends with emotional, behavioral, and physical issues. So I hope you can join us and plan to call in for your free remote. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Wrapped in dark and falling down Your sweet glow fading low Company of misery A song you've come to know Every story they gave you proved to shout a lie. Not until you walked away to find your way to fly and feel yourself and see yourself. Free yourself and heal yourself. Free yourself. And be yourself again. Words to live by, I say. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, this is going to be kind of a different show for us today, a little bit more subdued because of the um, the memory of 9-11. So I'm going to ask the question, and everybody probably asks everybody on this date, where were you and what were you doing? When this happened. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I was an undergraduate student at the University of Wisconsin, Green, oh. in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and I guess I was about 20 years old, and I distinctly, as all of us have, this sort of snapshot image in our mind of exactly where we were. Right. And I remember passing through the commons area of the university where there were television monitors. Yeah. And, you know, confronting this sort of herd of students who we had all just stopped in our tracks, dead in our tracks, yeah. in absolute silence, witnessing what was being shown on the news. Right. And I mean, I still get chills and goosebumps thinking about that moment and and being faced with that challenge of wrapping your mind around what it is that you're seeing. Yeah. You know, seeing something obviously unexpected and just right. so profound. And you could feel its its um its bigness, its its you know, grandness in mm-hmm. um, this moment of our history. Right. And, and and how it it just kind of, you know, hit everything and then everything just fell right under it. You know, like not more than an hour later, they, they downed all the planes on the United States. I mean, that had never happened before. And because I'm so oriented towards planes because I love them, you know, to kind of realize that, you know, three 767s hit those pl- those towers, you know, that was terrible. You know, I was worried about the airplanes, not the people. No, yeah. I'm kidding. But, you know, um, it was it was sort of that. But also walking outside the few days later and not hearing any planes going overhead. Right. That was really disconcerting. Right. And every now and then there might be one errant one and I'm going, we're going to get attacked. Yeah. You know, it, it was like your your reality changes so quickly from that. Right. Yeah. Right. And immediately asking the question, is this the 
first of some of more things yet to come? Right. Was it just that? Yeah. Is it, you know, it, suddenly you're asking every question imaginable about the future, yeah. that yeah. very moment, and then in the days ahead, years ahead. Right. You know? Exactly. Because, I mean, I'm thinking about how this chart is more than a chart of just an event. This is a chart of an entire shift of consciousness on that and on that moment at 8.46 in the morning mm-hmm. on September 11th. Everything, everything changed. You know, everybody had their days. They were going through their days. It was beautiful weather in New York, and they were having a wonderful day, and it, it was supposed to be election day that day, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then, bam, it changed just in a millisecond. Yeah. Yeah. moment that plane was hit, hit the, the tower. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think that um, the people... I mean, you, you try to imagine, like, seeing people falling out of those buildings. I, you know, I just, I've seen the film of it, and I can't watch it. I just can't watch that. It's so, it's so horrible. But um, I'm thinking also about um, the people that perpetrated this, how long they planned this thing, you know, maybe several years back. And mm-hmm. it was incrementally, they knew we were going to do what they were going to do and what date. You know, and how they it had all planned, and how they got in their airplanes, and they did what they did, and I mean, it just seemed it seemed sort of all of a sudden and and spontaneous, but it really wasn't. It was very highly planned, right? Yeah, right. and to be shown so clearly that it is possible. There is one version of of the human existence that involves people doing things like this yeah. and to have a concrete example of it rather than yeah. just the idea of, oh, bad, there are bad people in the world or bad things happen. Oh, sure. yeah. But, you know, to have this really clear and, and, and stunning example of um, what tragedy looks like and, and at the hands of yes. s- one human being to another. You know, right. Really exactly. I, I sort of, um, I was sort of, when I was studying the backgrounds of all these, the people that were doing this, I actually, someone asked me, because I wrote a book about the Titanic disaster and charted stuff, you know, as far as what happened then and applied the same principles to doing a book on, on 9-11. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said it would take me years to do it because there's so much more to it, you know, than just... You know, an arbitrary ship going through and it hits an iceberg. That's not planned. Okay. That just wasn't planned. So it, it seems like an arbitrary thing from the universe to soon send down, but this wasn't arbitrary at all. I mean, the U.S. intelligence knew there was something going on. There was something going on with Osama bin Laden. So that was going on, and they knew that something was imminent, and they didn't really broadcast it to the, uh, the people, the regular people. But they knew something was going to happen imminently. And um, it's interesting because I find the interesting thing, too, I mean, when if you do numerology, this is really cool. I mean, you look at the preponderance of 11s showing up in this event. It's all over the place. Hmm. Flight 11 was the first plane that hit the thing. Okay. 9-11. And there's a whole bunch of 11s in these charts here, you know, and... Um, and somehow 9-11 was also some sort of sacred event that happened in the in the Muslim world, you know. And um, it was no accident. It was no freaking accident at all. It was. It seems like an arbitrary thing because it was so out of the blue, but it wasn't. It was not arbitrary at all. It had been so well planned. 
and you look at this chart and kind of going, okay. And there was one other thing I wanted to mention about this chart is the Saturn-Pluto opposition. Now, we recently had that. We had that the last couple of years, and that brought in the pandemic, okay? And generally, not bad things, but really stuff that people have to go through heinous things with really turns around on a Saturn-Pluto aspect, you know? And so this was an opposition from one point to another. So you could say, you know, Saturn-Pluto in the opposition would be something that happens outside of you, you know, instead of having it right in your neighborhood. And so um, this happened, and I thought, well, you know, um, this was a prognostication of sort of a, some kind of disaster that could have happened. Any astrologer might have mentioned that, you know, and it really was a, pretty much was for the next 20 years. And, you know, they're talking to people now on the streets. And so it still bothers most people. People are still grieving 20 years later, you know. How many years does it take, right. you know, before right. you start to come out of it? Like Betty Ong, the lady that was on, um, I think, Flight 175. Um, she was, she's the one that they went into. No, she was on Flight 11, and that flew into the, the first plane that went into the tower. And she was a flight attendant sitting in the back calling, you know, all the people that she needed to call. She says, I think we're being hijacked and we're heading towards something in, in New York City. And reporting it and all that. She was the first person that really found, they really found out that there was some sort of thing going on with hijacking from her, you know, and their family is still grieving, massively grieving today. I was just reading news about that yesterday. Yeah. So. No, it's incredible. And to, to come to understand the depth of that and then, and and to be compounded by the grieving that we're all experiencing now with the pandemic and and its hardships. So we have this reflection of what happened 20 years ago, plus all of the tragedy and uh, struggle that we've, that everyone on the planet has been going through currently with this. It's just, um, it's, it's big. It is big, you know, because the pandemic, it seems like it's way bigger than 9-11, 9-11, but no, it, it really isn't. It's on a, just on a different scale. It's a different place in the soul that experiences it. So um, with 9-11, it's like the beginning of trauma, you know, trauma coming up. And then, you know, at, like right now, it's it, it, well, last year was when Saturn and Pluto were next to each other. There's a whole nother trauma of a pandemic, a lot of loss of a lot of people, you know, and so um, it's similar but different, you know. Um, it still has to do with grieving and letting go and and feeling collective trauma when it hits everybody all at once. Right. Yeah. Right. Collective trauma, and that's huge. And then collective healing that can begin. Uh, yes. That's because right. we did share that. We all shared that experience. Yes, we and did. We all witnessed a similar thing, and yeah. so uh, then it's it's odd the thing that wounded us also becomes the thing that lets us come together and can heal us through that shared experience, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely have a point there. Um, It's very, very powerful stuff. And um, it's really hard to describe. I just remember going back and remember going to the grocery store that day. You know, a little thing like that, that's one thing that I remember. Walked in the grocery store and there was no one in the store anywhere. It's quiet as a mouse. I walked through and I said, oh, my God, it's like a ghost town in here. There's people either staying home watching their TVs or, or feeling what was going on here. 
but um, and I bought something for myself and I left and I, I basically went out just to get out of the house for a while because, you know, being around the TV and my computer all day was a bit n- nervy, you know, especially looking up the stuff that we were looking up, you know, and the thing about, about the study of astrology, you find one chart like this, there's going to be 20 more behind it, you know, mm, that are going right. to kind of connect themselves to it. You know, the ones that before, basically the timeline started at 5 a.m. when the first first hijacker went to the airport and registered to get on this flight. Okay, and then it ended at some time later on in the evening when the final, when the, I think when the World Trade Center number seven came down, that was around 5.30, something like that. So um, it, it was just uh, amazing. I, I've seen, we don't have a little bit of, a little bit of time yet, watching a special on TV a few years ago. I mean, they were clocking it from, you know, around 8 a.m. all the way up till about 10 or 11 o'clock that night. And how the, from a position or of looking at it from a firefighter who had, who was going down with his, his station, his, you know, ladder company and, you know, making everybody, everybody went, you know, it was like everybody, that's it. Nobody even stays there. And the thing that when everybody came back, they were, want to make sure that everybody came back from that yeah because they didn't know what people would come back right you know and there was one guy that everybody was worried about he was a probie you know they call this a real rookie and he didn't come back and he didn't come back and nobody everybody was worried about him and he came back with the chief of police or something later you know the chief fire guy from that you know he took him with him and went down and did some you know rescue work and when he came back, he says, oh, my God, he's back. They're all so excited. He says, where were you? He says, well, I was with uh, the fire chief. And we were down there saving lives, <laughs> you know, like normal. <laughs> but um, but they were, all, they were all very much joined by that experience, all of those people. You know, it solidified their connection with each other. So really something else. Anyway, okay, so we're going to take a break really quick here. When we get back, more with Mr. Michael Seapress and me, Eileen Grimes, and we're talking about 9-11. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live, real quick live read for the Emerald Spiral Expo, which has been canceled. You've probably heard me say it enough. But I'm saying it again. And the next one, of course, is March 26, 2022. So stay tuned for a right around then. We'll be having ads for that. So uh, we'll be right back here with the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Mickey Jacobs, a psychic medium and energy healer who practices a multifaceted approach to spirituality, a la the great Edgar Cayce. She'll be taking calls for spirit messages in the second half of the show. On Saturday, Daniel Bruce Levin is featured in an encore presentation from earlier this year. It's worth repeating. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk, 1150. Wanted to make you leave or see you cry. I wanted to lift you up so you could feel yourself fly. 
I knew all along we'd always be lovers and brothers and friends. And as this new day is dawning, I hope it's never the end. I love that too. You, you're, you're seeking it those just at the right place. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Well, it's been... It was a, a treat to look at my my song catalog in this new way, thinking about today's program okay. and imagining and where are the moments I've written music that are about uh, moving through a dark place yes. or embracing a unexpected transformation or yes. transition in your life. And so the songs that I've selected for today are based on that idea. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was hoping that we would have... When I was trying to decide who to have today, I thought it was important to have uh, a guest that was very sensitive. You have your stationary Neptune, for God's sake. You yeah. know, you're ultimately very, very, very sensitive. And um, I picked you because it was most logical, logical, very logical choice. So thank you again for yeah, being here. My it's, pleasure. It's awesome. So anyway, I have an, another question. Okay, this is an f- interesting question. I just wrote some arbitrary questions down. So let me ask you. What was your September 10th like? Yeah, what an interesting question, yeah, I mean. <laughs> hey, like, that came out of nowhere. But, you know, it was kind of like, what was that day like? Because, remember, a lot of people were talking about how everything was just normal going along, and people were feeling very, very positive about stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't have any specific, clear day-by-day recollections of September 10th, but what mm-hmm. I do remember is a feeling which is like moving through molasses that next day. Like my sense of time was mm-hmm. completely shifted. Yeah. And also a, a new sense. And I was, I was a y- really young guy at, the, at that time. Oh, sure. But I could feel a shift in my sense of what was important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there I was a university student with heaps of homework and, you know, parties to think about and, an art studio that I wanted to be playing in all the time and all these things. But suddenly that list of priorities of what truly mattered, mm-hmm. I, I remember distinctly feeling that that had shifted and my sense of the time and moving through things day by day was also d- very different, very yeah. different, you know. I think it, you know, I can't even remember what happened the day before. I really can't. Um, I remember I was living over in Seattle on, in Ballard. And um, I was, as I say, I got up in the morning, I literally was shot out of the bed, like zero to 20, you know, 60 seconds in one second. You know, when I yeah. heard that on the radio, I went, <gasps> got to find out what's going on astrologically. That's what happens when you're an astrologer, by the way. It owns you forever. So, I, I mean, you really want to know why. And I think that astrology can help you figure out, pinpoint a general idea of what the what an event in our lives means to the collective, all of us, you know, what it means for one person, especially if it happens to one person, or we lose a, a single person who meant a lot to us, you know. And so um, uh, this was a collective event. This was shared by everybody. And, you know, I just remember the on on that day, you know, getting up and running all these charts off and figuring things out. And I think about halfway through that morning, I found the Saturn return business and I was telling everybody about it. And everybody just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it was excited. I was excited about yeah. it. 
you know, yeah. because, I mean, that really said that God was, you know, looking after us and our safety in the buildings, you know, and really, unfortunately, the worst thing that could have happened happened. But, you know, um, they built a, probably a bigger and better building there now. It's really pretty. I mean, it's really nice, but who knows what's going to happen with that building. But, um, yeah. but um, I think it's, it, it seemed to me that our lives played out differently after that. You know, and um, I don't know if I made any adjustments with my business or anything, but I remember thinking different things that I never thought before. I actually remembered a dream I had a couple of nights before, and it was I never had dreams like that. I dreamt that I was walking downtown somewhere and a building was falling in on me. So a lot of people had dreams like yeah. that. Yeah, they did, and. The interesting thing that that happened around the Titanic as well. Mm. This is a very mystical, metaphysical time when when Titanic sank. It was the spiritualist movement that was moving around at that point. A lot of people that were in it and very famous people um, that were le- were leaders and people looked up to were spiritualists, you know. And but a lot of people shared the same vision of Titanic sinking before it ever came to to New York City. So we could say that's precognitive. We could say that. And there was a lot of people that I talked to right after it happened, that after 9-11 happened, said that they had some dreams, of, or very unusual dreams, you know, about, you know, some building falling down and all this other stuff. But I remember waking up that morning thinking, what kind of dream was that? I never had a dream. It was very clear. Mm. I could see it so clearly. Some dreams you just can't see that clearly. But I could really see the the um, the definition and the clarity and the color in it and everything and seeing all these bits, huge chunks of cement sitting all around me and I was trying to get out of there. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I want, and I didn't think at that time it was precognitive, but evidently it was. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah, and things like dreams can really highlight how uh, how connected we are yeah. to. Mm, I don't know if it's a if they're psychic energies or or we can call them premonitions or yes. forecasts or whatever. But right. also, uh, similarly, when the event happened, I I remember and I think about this to this day. My sense of distance between myself and others really shifted. Okay, you know, New York was no longer this place way over there on the other end, edge right. of the country. It was. I was right there with yeah. those people and they, you know, there was a, se- a new sense of closeness to yes. other human beings. Yes. Unfortunately, through witnessing their, their suffering and their tragedy, that um, re- reframed mm-hmm. how I felt either far away from others or actually very close to others. Right, exactly. And That's a good point because I remember feeling somewhat the same thing when um, George Bush visited the site a couple of days later and how excited they were to see him there and it was a real sense of patriotism there hanging the flag all over the wreck site and all that and I was really excited and and there was a really interesting outcropping of enormous patriotism that happened at that time yeah yeah and um because when you you're dealing with what we would call a collective event or an event that they can't pinpoint who the cause or who's doing it then it's sort of like everybody in the planet, you know, in the country are, is going to feel, let's let's handle this, let's, let's get on top of this one. You know, if it's one person, they direct it at one person, but it's not. It was, a, it was basically a force 
that was, you know, created by Osama bin Laden and, um, and all those people that were involved. And, um, and unfortunately the guys that I feel sorry for the guys that were on the plane flying that thing. I really do. I mean, it, it was, uh, a sad thing to have to give your life up for because it was really a cause that wasn't worthy of it, but worthy of your time and effort. But that's what they thought. And, um, you know, that's that's the interesting thing about cults and that kind of thing, too. They kind of create that sort of environment within their in their boundaries where people just, you know, accept and accept exactly what the person says is right on, you know. And so people need to question that. You have to go by what you think. It's all about what you think, what you know, what you feel, you know. And um, and I'm getting off track here, but what the heck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, it's um, I you know I I was trying to think about my time afterwards. It seemed like my business sort of dropped a bit off, you know, during that time. And um, as I seem to recall, but it was okay at that time. I didn't really mind that. But I do remember one thing that happened, and I was going to not share it, but I'm going to share it this morning. What happened when the first tower fell? I was standing there in front of the TV. I saw this tower fall, and I fell to the floor crying Mm. my guts out. You know, it was like I felt the entire pain of every everybody in that that building and everybody watching that event. I felt it. It was so unbelievably overwhelming that I was, if anybody heard outside my door, would have heard me screaming, you know, and it was yeah. like I was there. Wow. You know, oh, thank you. And sometimes it's not being fun being a Pisces, you know, <laughs> but it, it was a collective feeling of agony, you know, that I felt. It was just momentary, but I got up and I was fine, but I needed to release that. It was such an immense tension builder, you know, was building and building and building until that 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 uh, the building dropped, and then the second one dropped a little bit later. But um, I remember the 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 second tower, the South Tower, fell within an hour of it being hit, you know, and then the first tower was about an hour and a half after it hit, it fell. So uh, I mean, you think about the builders of, and by the way. When you think about this, because the man who designed the building is from Seattle. Okay. So Homuro Yamasaki was his name, something like that. Yamasaki was his last name. Mm-hmm. And he has an um, office here in Seattle. And he designed the IBM Tower down, downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the same kind of engineering went into that building. The core center of the building is where all the guts are. You know, all the, all the, the restrooms and and the stairs and all that that create the structure within the building that supports the building. And this is very similar to the IBM building. And I thought, well, the IBM building hasn't fallen yet, but then again, it's not that tall. So, you know, it wasn't really a target for anybody, but um, I don't even think he was still alive when it happened, but um, I just thought it was just amazing and, and very very similar looking buildings too which is very interesting but yeah god you know all this stuff that's related to it you know and um i'm not sure why they chose to build it the way they did i think it had to do with if they built 
the structure all the way out to to the windows, it would wade so much that they probably, you know, they had to dig down a whole long way mm. to root this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not quite as far hot high up as the building was, but they did quite a ways down. So uh, maybe do a cost savings or uh, a savings of the building to so the building will stand. Is just keep the core center in the middle and then just build out uh, up up the rest of it, you know. And so right. I, yeah. Because I was thinking about because I used to work um, in property management and for buildings. I worked for Otis Elevator Company, and that was kind of fun. And um, and I was always wondering about you know the elevators in the World Trade Center. All went you know that was done in two banks. You know, you have the sky lobby on the seventy some floor, and then it went back up to the hundred and tenth floor. You know, so we didn't the only elevators that went from top to bottom were the freight elevators. That's it. Mm. So, um, so that took out all those too. And I mean, that was the biggest thing that Otis ever did was that building. There was tons of elevators to build. You know, and it took it out in like less than ten seconds. That building came down. Yeah, South Tower. So, wow. anyway, yakety yak. I'm talking back. So, <laughs> so, um, I just find it interesting the structure of the building and how. You know, when you look at it from a Saturn point, I have to get the chart of the architect of this building. Then I can compare. Then I can know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he may have built it on his Saturn return. I don't know. Yeah. But well, and, and like we were chatting about right before the show, Eileen, thinking about the, the metaphor of a building structure and how that relates to our, ourselves or our lives. Yes. What it means to have a strong foundation, yes. a strong core. Yeah. To not just focus on the superficial exterior appearance of something, but right. to actually develop yeah. develop our, our core strength inside so that when tragedy comes, and it is ine- inevitable, yes. you know, it's an inevitability of, yeah. of human life, we, we can move through it with a certain amount of integrity in yeah. how we are, quote, built. A certain you amount know. of grace, too, you know, and yeah. not have it destroy us. And that basically that kind of thing, those kind of, experiences solidify our brace and makes us stronger. Right. But this wasn't something that was so profoundly out of, you know, out of proportion than anything else we've gone through. So it really hit a lot of people hard. So anyway, we have to take another break right now. So this is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read for Susan Bergstrom of the Medicare Exchange. Susan Bergstrom is a licensed agent in Washington and Oregon, helping people obtain security in their lives by providing insurance that pays for final expenses and money for transitioning after a loved one dies. Now, remember, coming up is open enrollment, kids. So open enrollment starts on October 15th and ends December 7th. That's when, if you haven't signed up for Medicare, you've turned 65 and it's time to do that, you don't really want to go uh, and talk to them about it. You want to go with somebody who can help you find the right, basically getting on Medicare is one thing, but you find your ex, your other supplemental medical coverage to cover the things that Medicare does not cover. You need to find somebody who can help you do that, and Susan is the one to do it. So she just wanted me to tell you that um, she's still helping people that are turning 65 coordinate their coverage in retirement, so it's really important. So if you want any help from Susan, you can contact her at the Medicare Exchange at 253-318-9379 for an appointment or 
contact her at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. To come and rescue the last signs of America. Come and rescue the last signs fit to die. Oh, let's see your gardens growing and all your lamps keep glowing to build into a new believing in the light. To build into a new Again, that's 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 wonderful. Okay, so um, and final words about this, you and I. Um, what did you? I mean, what did you get from all this? I wrote, what were you left with? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, wow. like, yeah. Where do you start? <laughs> where do you yeah. begin? Yeah. Well, kind of. I guess going back to what I mentioned earlier, thinking about what really matters in life, and mm-hmm. and as an artist, realizing that. It's in moments like these that I have a real responsibility yes. to bring to light mm-hmm. um, the real heart of an issue. I mean, yep. I think that's what art and music do is they they show us the essence of something. They help us see the real human core of what truly matters. Right. And in times of tragedy, and I think we found this with the pandemic also, in times of hardship and tra- and tragedy, where do most people go? They yep. go to the art and the music, mm-hmm. the beautiful things, even even if it's a dark beauty, but yeah. they go to the things that help them heal and all of the superficial stuff falls away and yeah. it really goes to the core of it. So for me as an artist, it's helped me thinking about um, the tragedy of 9-11, thinking about the moment we're all moving through. It's, it's asked me, how can I use my voice as an artist to... Right help help patch folks up a little bit and also help heal myself because I'm, I, I and all the other artists, we're going through it too, you oh, know? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, we're all facing this and it's difficult. So, and, and I was thinking about, I was thinking about the times afterwards that it seems to me that the generation that just came like right around that time didn't know any hardship in their life. The last real big hardship was World War II. Okay, that was way before, it was way before my time. Yeah. So um, this was a trauma that hit like a war is what it was, and it ended up kind of being a war on terror. But it hit us like we knew that something was going to have to be done, and it was going to be cataclysmic what we were going to have to do. So it basically affected everybody's future in that way to kind of look at, okay, we've been conditioned that life is wonderful, and, and puppies, kittens, flowers, and butterflies... That's my standard <laughs> term for that. <laughs> and we find out that's not it. Right. Okay. And, right. and we get a jolt right a, a back into reality. And, I mean, like, you look at the Saturn opposing Pluto. That takes us right back to a physical, an, an earthy part of us that that really we basically know what to do, but we've never been tested for it, you know. So um, that's basically, you know, what we're talking about here is that it has toughened our hides, for the last 20 years. Yeah. 
And we've since then, we've probably seen a fair amount of stuff happen, you know. And, you know, maybe perhaps this was the moment that we turned the corner and we had to kind of go into reality for a while. And now, and if we're still going through it, you know, with the pandemic and our past president, which I won't mention his name anymore, but um, it, it just things that are harsh on the soul. Yeah. You know, and, and that's this situation was about the worst that we any, any of us could have felt. So, um, so it's basically, I, you know, I try to connect this event to what's happening right now. And um, I can see the connections. I can see it on a, tra- on a trauma scale, on a, an, a place where we don't want to go ever because it hurts too much. We have to go there sometimes. We have to go and face some, you know, some real realities about our own mar- mortality, all of that stuff. And this is the kind of stuff that happens during a, an event like 9-11. Right. Yep. And then, and, and how do we act upon it when these moments come, the big ones or the small ones? I mean, there's there's tiny tragedies every day of our lives, sure. right? Little things that, that don't work out, little hardships, little hurt, little bits of hurt yep. that we experience day to day. And, and do you step up to the plate yeah. with kindness and compassion to help yourself heal through yeah. it or help your neighbor or friend or stranger on the yeah. street yeah. or do you turn to blind turn a blind eye to it you yeah. know and i think this is one of these where oh, we've yeah. been shown you cannot turn and look in the other direction you no, have you to can't. face this one head on it's going to come back to you anyway in another place right, right you know and i i just i'm not sure if i made the decision at that time to really hunker down and really get into my business and help people that are really in a lot of pain you know but it kind of happened that way, you know, and I'm really glad it did because it's given me a lot of a feeling of accomplishment. Yes, but the ability to help people is just the best thing on the planet to yeah. do and to be of yeah. service to others. Yeah, it's yeah. the only way to, that I will ever live. So, and it's so beautiful for me as a n- not an astrologer to see how the astrology of this moment and its synchronicities to other other yeah. moments of tragedy and transformation. Right. How that has can help us yeah. see the roadmap a little bit more clearly. Yes, we can. And we can actually maybe see some things coming up based on the present and the past. Because it's, there's the past, present, and future. Those three things actually are in the same time. You know, right now we're in the moment. But in the past, it seems like the past will reflect the future. But it doesn't have to. Okay, but if we learn our lessons, then we can create a future that hasn't been done yet, you know, because we've released the past. That's sort of existential, isn't it, kids? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I've thought a lot it's about it. It's that kind of show, folks. It's that kind of show. <laughs> what can we say? So anyway, thank you, Michael, for being here today. Thank it was you. awesome, awesome, Always awesome. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, thanks, you're welcome. Thanks to everyone listening for spending this time with us. Yes, I hope we had a lot of people listening because it was very profound, I think. So anyway, let me just talk about right now really quickly our Jupiter Rising event, which our Jupiter um, Experience event happens on Tuesday at uh, 7 o'clock at Burr's Restaurant. We will have Mr. Carl Anderson talking about Bach Flower Remedies. He'll be there to do that. And if you're interested at Bach, oh yeah, at Burr's Restaurant is at 6151 Stillicum Boulevard, Southwest in Lakewood. So we meet at 7 o'clock and three minutes. Thank you very much, Nathan. Anyway, so... um, yeah, so we have that going on, and let's see what else have we got here. Uh, let me see. Uh, not much, because we're doing that, and I can't find my sheet anyway. Okay, that's cool. 
So anyway, and also have my horoscope column on Mondays that show up at noon. And um, that's weekly with the KKNW website at 1150kknw.com. So anyway, um, you can get a hold of me at EileenGrimes.com or JupiterRisingShow.com. And Michael, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, my website is my name, Michael Seapress, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-E-P-R-E-S-S.com. Okay. My contact info- information is there. That's great. And if you're interested in hearing the recordings, they're available on all uh, major right. streaming platforms. And if you want to have him play a gig of yours, <laughs> I'm serious. He, you know, right now everything seems kind of dead for a lot of us because of the pandemic. But he likes to play live in, at venues, and he's really good. So you got to call him and do that. Absolutely, would love to do that. <laughs> Just that. Thank you, Eileen. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm ready to be out in the world singing my heart <laughs> I out for believe folks. It. Yeah. So anyway, okay, so next week we have on the very wonderful psychic William Rainin. He's never been on the show before. He's in his, he's elderly now, but he's so profound and he's very clear about what he knows. Mm. And so um, he's fabulous, and he will be on the show next weekend. And following that, we're really looking forward to, and not that I'm looking forward to William Rainin because the first time we've ever had him on the show, but we're having on Michelangelo again with our musical Saturday, and we'll be talking about Johannes Brahms. Oh, I can't wait. He's one of my favorites. So who's he? Well, he's a composer, so (laughs) (laughs) a romantic composer, really good stuff. So anyway, I think that's it for us. We're going to take off out of here in a second. So I just want to invite you to come back and listen to the radio show again next Saturday at 11 o'clock a.m. And everybody, you have a good day. And please remember today and and think about what it means to all of us. Okay? Okay. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Mm-hmm.